All right, so Perak Beis. Till now, the Alter focused on was the. Till now, the Alter Rebbe was uh, focused on the, the discussion on Parak Aleph about the Nefesh Bahamas. The Nefesh Bahamas we spoke about is the, 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 the animating soul, the element within us that needs, a, needs to survive. The fact, that, the fact that we are programmed to survive is, 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 is the nature of the Nefesh Bahamas. The Nefesh Bahamas is what gives us the energy to survive. The, the, and, and, and as the way we termed it in one of the classes, <coughs> it's, it's the narcissistic soul. It's self-centered. It's focused on itself. It's uh, it's focused on survival. Perak Beis Al Terebet deals with the Nefesh Alakis, and he introduces the source of the Nefesh Alakis, where the Nefesh Alakis comes from. Why is the Nefesh Alakis um, um, so powerful? What's its source, and therefore its power? And then Al Terebet moves into a very interesting realm. Al Terebet explains how every single Jewish person possesses the Nefesh Alakis on the level that even the highest tzaddik possesses the Nefesh Alakis. And the, f- the f- primary point al is going to make in Parak Bays is the necessity of, connect- of connecting to the Rebbe. Basically, if you connect it to the Nasi Hadar, without al actually saying those words, but when you connect it to the Nasi Hadar, then your soul, your Nefesh Alakis, is connected automatically to that infinite power that the Nefesh Alakis possesses. That's basically the basic idea of Parak Beis. So this is the, the other soul, the soul, the second soul, which the way we termed it in, in the previous classes is the idealistic soul. So, Al-Trebbe introduces the second soul as being a chelak mamish. Now this is actually a verse in Eov. In, in Eov, Eov is the book that is the, a very... Um, uh, uh, one of the one of the one of the books in Tanakh, but in the focuses is on a particular individual who his life was made very very difficult, and there's the famous questions of every base all the basic questions that we ask of why does bad things happen to good people and why does why do people have to suffer in this world and all that is all discussed in the Sefer and Eve. But in the Sefer of Eve, there's also a lot of philosophical ideas and a lot of ideas that explain about the essence of the Jewish person. So over there it says, it uses the expression that it's a portion of God. Now let me, let's, let's explain the terminology over here. So first of all, the Al-Turabah adds the word mamish. Mamish is, is something the Al-Turabah adds. That's, that's, that's a chiddush of the Al-Turabah. Mamish li- means literally. Now what did the Al-Turabah mean by mamish? So first of all, what does it mean chilakalakam? So here there's a lot to talk about. There's hundreds of pages of Hasidus discussing this one line, but just to give a basic idea of understanding this, this concept of What is the essence of a Jew? That's really the question. Parak Beis discusses the essence of a Jew. So what is the essence of a Jew? What is the essence of a person? How do we define an essence? What is an essence? So essence is that most un- uh, indefinable word. You can't define what essence is, because essence by definition is indefin- undefinable. You can't define something which is essence. The way the, the, the moshal I like using for that is having a infinitely long blank piece of paper. Could you define that? Imagine having an infinitely long white piece of paper. Could you define it? It's impossible, right? 
What if I start making lines on the piece of paper? What does the lines accomplish? It gives now definition to the white paper, right? Now the white paper could be highlighted as the white, the contrast between the white and the, and the lines, yeah? So essence will be the white. The white in itself is not definable. By putting lines on the piece of paper, that gives it some definition. But obviously that's not defining the white. It's the contrast of the black ink on the white paper that shows that there is such a thing called white. In logic, this is the concept of understanding something in an indirect way. You don't understand something from the thing itself, because you can't, you can't understand essence. Essence is beyond any, it's, it's inexplicable. Essence is something which has no definition, because that's what essence means. But once you start putting ink, so now by the contrast, by seeing what it's not, by realizing it's not the black line, it's the other thing, so then you know that it's at least that. You, you know exists, you know that it's that. That's the best we can get to when we, when we discuss, when we try to discuss objectively the concept of essence. But really, essence is not an objective discussion. Essence is a very deep, subjective, intuitive discussion. It's something that we sense. We see its, we, we see its results. We see its symptoms. We don't see it in itself. We see the symptoms of our essence. Let's take an example. Why is it that you go over to a Jew who never put on tefillin in his life, never heard of tefillin in his life. You ask him, are you Jewish? And he puts on tefillin for the first time, and all of a sudden he feels like he's just done the greatest act in his life. Now we who are brought up religious, and the expectation was to put on tefillin, we don't feel that way. On the contrary, we may feel the, the opposite by when we put on tefillin. But for a simple Jew who's not, who's, who hasn't boarded himself up, who hasn't created these walls of disattachment from God or disattachment from Judaism, doesn't have any negative connotations to Judaism, when he puts on tefillin for the very first time, there is a feeling, a deep sense of I just did something amazing, the best thing I've ever done in my life. And you hear this countless of times. If you've ever gone to Mephitsa, you've ever spoken to people. Why is that? What is that, what is that, what is that feeling? Where is that sense coming from? It's coming from the purity of the essence. The essence just was able to express itself. The lines? Those are the lines. The tefillin are, is what creates the ability for that essence to now be expressed. So I don't know my essence until I actually trigger something that allows that essence to be expressed. We've mentioned many times the concept of identifying self, knowing who you are. How do you know who you are? It's impossible to know who you are based on reading a book. It's impossible to know who you are based on um, observing your actions. Because you're not your actions and you're not what's written in the book. But there's certain times in our lives, there's certain moments which capture a certain deep sense of truth of ourselves that is um, undeniable. We just sense it. We just know it to be true. For example, so for me, at times, I've had it, let's say, at certain <clears throat> times throughout my life, but a very, very strong moment was that recognition of when I was about to, you know, officially become engaged to my wife. That moment of absolute, like a deep sense of like, this is, this is, 
This is a truth that I can't deny. This is a part of me that I can't deny. Was an expression of, to me at least, an expression of essence. It wasn't a love. It wasn't a, a feeling of, 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 uh, of, of fantasy. It wasn't a, a sense of like emotional uh, joy. It was just this deep sense of this is, this is true. And, and, and that experience of essence is something which is not usually felt because the essence is not, is not on, the front fort, uh, on the front of our minds. It's very, very, very super conscious. It's very, very deep in our consciousness. Our essence is not something that we're conscious of many, most of the time. It's like an idea that I explained in the last class, the idea of the pleasure of living. So there's an expression of chassidus that a tainik t'midi any tainik. A constant pleasure is not pleasure. So we don't experience the pleasure of life because it's constant. When, are, when do we experience the pleasure of life? When it's in jeopardy. When it's in jeopardy. And that's why you have certain people who are dear devils. You have certain personality types that need that constant feeling of life and they push themselves to the brink. They'll do things like crazy right, daring things, because that gives them the, the sense that I'm alive, right? It's the rush, the excitement of that I'm alive. Because when you're at the brink of death, God forbid, that is where you start sensing life. The same thing is with the essence. The essence is such a constant, it's impossible to really be in tune with it the whole time. But there's moments where that, there's a trigger of the, of the essence. Dr. Rebbe here in the beginning of Parak Bay's and throughout the parak is defining to us this essence of the Jew. Who are we really? What are we? What is our essence? And Al-Trevi says our essence is a part of God's essence. It's a chelak elaka. Now, there's a difference between elaka and elakus. You come across this word in Chassidus a lot of times, or you hear this word called elakus. And sometimes, very rarely, do you hear the word elaka. What's the difference between elaka and elakus? Elaka means God. Elakus means godliness. What's the difference between God and godliness? God is the essence of God. Godliness is the expressions of God. What do we mean by the expressions? So as we just said ourselves, within our own human understanding, within our own human consciousness, what are we conscious of? Define consciousness. What's consciousness? Consciousness is something is a state of awareness. That's what consciousness is. Now there's different states of awareness. If you take certain psychedelics, you become aware of other of things that you weren't, you're not aware of in your regular conscious state, right? So consciousness is a state of awareness, right? Now, mostly what we're aware of is the part of us that's our expressive side. We're very aware of our expression. We're aware of the way we act. We're aware of the way we think. We're aware that we are aware of the way we feel, right? That's what we're aware of. In fact, when we speak about personality types, I've always said a personality type is what I is a expression of an expression of an expression. It's a ha'ara, the ha'ara, the ha'ara. Because you yourself don't know yourself. You're acting based on a certain disposition, which you're not aware of why. Then other people observe that of how you're acting, and then the person translates what he's observing to make up who you are. That's a personality type. So how far removed of, of your essence is the personality? 
very far, very far removed, right? That's the expression. In the terminology of chassidus, it's the or. You have the sun and you have the light of the sun. The light of the sun is the expression of the sun. Is it the sun itself? It's not the sun itself. It's removed from the sun. But it expresses the sun. It's what the sun gives off. You understand? Is the light. That's what comes out of the sun is the light. Is, but could you say the light is the sun itself? That's ridiculous. The light is not the sun itself. The sun is way beyond. Its power is way beyond the light of the sun. Right? So that's the difference between the essence and the expression of the essence. Eloka is the essence. Elokus is the expression of the essence. It's like the sunlight versus the sun. Here the Alter says that every single Jewish soul, the Nefesh the essence of the Jew, is Eloka, is God. Not godliness, is God himself. And he says mamish, he says literally. He says a chilek, a portion. The Baal Shem Tov explains a portion means if you have a part of the essence, you have the whole essence. Why? Because as we said before, could you say you have a part of this infinite blank piece of paper? You have a part of the infinite blank piece of paper? What happens if you have a part of the infinite? Then it's not infinite anymore. Right? It's impossible to have a part of the infinite. That's not the infinite anymore. So too in essence. You can't say you have a part of the essence. A chalik, a chalik, a part means just that there is, there is that, the, the, the bittle, the unification of everything together. Right? In other words, like this. When you, let's say, have a, bl- a, a blank piece of wood, a plank of wood, not a plank, a plank, piece, a plank of wood. A plank of wood, you could carve out of it many different things. What would you say before you carved out the different things? What would you look, how would you, how would you define the piece of wood? What would you say of the piece of wood? You'll say it's a nothing, it's a piece of wood. Then let's say you carve out of the piece of wood, you manage, let's say, to carve out a very nice, uh, I don't know, menorah. So how are you gonna define the menorah? You're gonna say the menorah is, is, is a piece of wood? Well, it's essence, it's a piece of wood. But it's a part of this plank of wood. If I take that same carved piece of, of, of manure and put it back in its, in its place, what is it now? It's back to the same state that it was before. Right? If I could somehow undo the cutting, it would be back to its original state. It's only because I cut it out and I gave it the black lines, the definition, do I start, rec- I start relating to it as some independent existence. So I call it the part of it. It's anything and nothing at the same time. Exactly. So that's why I call it a part, but it's not really a part. It's really the one and the same thing. So the very essence of a Jew is God. So Mamash is going on uh, Elaka. Yeah. That we're Chelek Elaka Mamish. Mamish God. Now this sounds a little bit sacrilegious. Sounds a little bit heretical to say that we're God. But when we understand the depth of this statement, and as Altareb is going to explain this point, a little bit more in depth, the Alter is going to give a marshal of a child being born from a father. That's going to be what the Alter is going to go on to explain. The Alter is going to go on to explain that a child being born from his father, where does the child come from? The child comes from the father's... Sperm cells. His fr- what? Sperm cells. His sperm cell. Where does, what generates the sperm cell? The brain. The brain. The very essence of the person of the father gets completely excited, gets, mo- gets stimulated, and that stimulates 
the glands to produce the sperm, and that sperm is you. In that sperm is your father's DNA, right? Actually, no. That that that's a misunderstanding. In Perak Bays, there's many people that have the misunderstanding of what the Altarebbe says over here. That it sounds like the Altarebbe says that a part of the brain of the father travels down into the organ, and goes into the woman. That's not what it means. Altarebbe doesn't mean that here. And Altarebbe explicitly says that in Kutay Torah. That's not what he means. He's talking about the neurological aspect. Neurologically, the brain gets excited. The brain, therefore, creates, sends a message to the scrotum to, to secrete, to bring out the sperm, and that sperm is where the child comes from. There's many people who have this misunderstanding, even today, in certain Tanya's, certain English translations, they right away like, sort of like, try to make a disclaimer that this was only in those days they used to believe that. That's not what the Altarebbe means at all. The Altarebbe, it's, it's total nonsense. It's not what the Altarebbe means. The Altarebbe is very clear. He's talking about the neurological effect from the brain. But the point the Altarebbe is going to make is that the, the connection between the father and the child is an essence connection. Because the father actually gives his very essence over to the child. The child's being, my being is from my father, whether I like it or not. And in fact, the reason why, however much I want to run away from, well, I don't, but I'd love to see my father, but people want to run away from their father is only because of the fact and the reason why it hurts so much is only because, at the end of the day, your essence and your father's essence is one. But that idea, that, that marshal, that, that, that analogy that Al-Tareb is going to use to say that's exactly what happens with us and God. It starts off being a part of the brain, so to speak. But from the brain, it develops into a semen, into a drop. And from there, nurture, it becomes a whole existence. People run away from God because they know that. Not because, so this partly because you know that this is where you come from. And because you struggle with it, let's just use this psychological example, right? If my father, I felt, was abusive, or mistreated me, or didn't understand me, or took advantage of me, or just wasn't a good father for whatever reason, the natural, the, there's a very deep, deep trigger that goes on inside which says, this can't make sense. The conscious mind can't handle that. It doesn't make sense. Because then you sense there's something wrong with you. Because you and your father are one of the same. So what you try to do is you try to run away from that. Problem is you can't. You can't run away from yourself. So you're constantly, so what happens is it, it fuels insecurities with yourself. It fuels despondency, depression, all the negative traits, it starts primarily because of the self-doubt, not so much because of what your father did, but more of the fact that this is your essence yourself. So on a very deep level, it's more like you think of yourself as doing these types of behaviors. And therefore you try to run away from it. It can't be that this is true. I can't identify myself with this. It's like looking at your father as a reflective mirror of yourself. Exactly, on a the very deep conscious level. On the most deep, on the deepest of consciousness, of uh, uh, the deepest levels of consciousness, and that's why also religiously, this is where the same struggle becomes. People after the Holocaust, going through trauma with uh, for, from religion and things so on and so forth, it's the very same thing. On the very deep state of consciousness, it's like, how could this be that this is who I am? And they need to run away. That's where all the guilt and shame and frustration and insecurity all comes from you're dealing with an essence of who you are. 
obviously, obviously we have to be able to appreciate that that's not the essence. That was, that's the, that's the, 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 the expression, the negative expression that came out. That's another whole discussion which we'll get to later in Tanya. But that is the core of what the Alter Rebbe deals with. So we, we just started talking about this parak much more in general, uh, a little bit more in general. But the Alter Rebbe's main focus is going to go on to prove how the essence of a Jew is really God's essence. The Alter Rebbe brings the example of the blowing, that he blew, God blew the soul of man into man. What does it mean to blow? So he brings the Zohar, when you blow, you blow from the very deep essence. Which basically means, when you have to blow, you take, you take in a lot of energy, a lot of air, and then you're letting something out. Now think about it this way, imagine, so what are you taking out? You're taking out a lot of air, right? But that air came from inside. So the soul originates within God, and it's being blown out, literally, being blown out. When it's being blown out, it's like that carving out of, of this plank of wood, the menorah. So till then, it's just one part, one piece of wood. Now it's a menorah, right? So that blowing out is developing the soul into beginning its process of, so to speak, its independence form of existence, form. its chalik. Now, now it could take on a form of an expression. That's why the soul in Hasidus is seen in two levels. There's the part of the soul that's just a part of God, and then there's the part of the soul that's a niver, that's a creation. That is the way it comes into the body and where it feels challenged, it feels disconnected, and so on and so forth. Um, so yichid is still expression? Yichid is still expression. Absolutely. Yichid is still expression. And therefore, in that stage of the blowing, there's already a disconnect. Bachsidus explains that even though by other people when they blow, there's usually a disconnect between once you blew, you blew, it's no more connected to you by God, God's breath, so to speak, doesn't disconnect from him. So even though he sort of is, he blew the soul out, but that soul is still part, there's still one connection constantly going on. So that's the general gist of Perak Bays. We've highlighted the general points, and Alter Rebbe then moves on to discuss this a little bit more again, giving the muscle of the father and the child, and explaining how this process works out within the within the biology, within the, the development of, the ch- of a child. He also connects this idea to the, 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 the Nasi Hador, the leader of the generation, as being, so to speak, the brain of the generation versus everybody else being more like the feet and the hands of the generation. And in that sense also, this, this connection between the essence of how we become connected to the essence is through the brain and how the brain plays a role of essence. Because one of the things that is difficult in this parak is that Rebbe discusses the level of Chochmah. Chochmah is not an essence. Chachma is lower than essence. Chachma is expression. But what the Alter Rebbe means here, Chachma, he means essence. In Chassidus, it's very tricky to realize that in the Alter Rebbe's Maimorim, when he uses Chachma, Chachma is etzem. Even though there's other times he spoke, speaks about etzem more explicitly. In the Rebbe's Torah, Chachma is much lower than etzem. So it's just a recognition of realizing the difference between the two. But that's the general gist. The recognition, once we recognize our essence of who we really are, and, and identifying with it, that allows, therefore, the expression and hopefully, properly, in a healthy way to bring out this expression in a proper sense. So this is, this is, this is a lot of what Parag Beis talks about. Um, and uh, the, the ending of Parag Beis deals with a lot more of uh, how do, what's the parent's role in the forming of the child. If at the end of the day the soul is coming into the body, the soul is a part of God, how is it that certain, certain people just have a hard time with their essence. 
And the, and the answer that Al-Tarebi gives is because the essence, in order for the essence to exist, the essence can't exist in itself. There needs to be the lines in order to, for, for the essence to exist, so to speak. To exist in our existence. And th those are called the Lavushim. Those are the garments. Those are the forms of expression that the soul needs. Not to exist, for in our state of existence, for us to recognize that existence. Right, right. For us to recognize. So that form needs expression. Parents play their major role in expression. When the parents have a purity of mind at the time of cohabitation, when parents are having relations and are, are, are having a healthy state of mind, a, a holy state of mind, so the child is usually brought into, brought up, has a healthy ability to feel connected to his essence. But when the parents are too lustful and thinking negative or an unhealthy, un, un, unholy thoughts, usually the child has, has, uh, has is develops an unhealthy, unhealthy form of expression. That's what Altrev explains at the end of Parak Bays. So this is a basic overview of Parak Bays. There are details here that uh, we didn't get into so much. We'll maybe get into them a little bit more, hopefully. Uh, what is, what is uh, the line in reality? That's the expression. It's like the light that comes out of the sun. So for us, it's the state of our consciousness that we're aware of, the different states of consciousness that we're aware of. <laughs>